Welcome to the Kyperian Commentary Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Davis. Our guest today is Tom Garfield, who comes to us from Moscow, Idaho. Tom was the superintendent of Logos. I mispronounced that in his Logos. Okay. How do you pronounce it out then? Logos. Well, we Logos. said we said Logos because we just, you know, anyway, it's a long story. But... <laughs> Logos School in Moscow, Idaho for 35 years, I think. And then for yep. the last six years, Tom has been the uh, academic dean, dean of academics at Veritas Scholars Academy. He's written a couple of books about classical education, founding board member of the Association of Christian Classical Schools. So naturally, I wanted to have him on here to talk about something not related to education at all. So uh, Tom has also uh, been an art teacher for how long have you taught art, Tom? Well, um, golly, uh, 36 years at Logos and now, yeah, going on six years at Veritas. So whatever that is, 42. So yeah, so a lot of art background there. I wanted to talk to you because I've seen your art. We have a family in our church who has some of your art in their house. You probably know them. If I named them, you'd know them. Uh, and my son has taken art classes with you for three years and has really enjoyed them. And so I wanted to talk to you about art and the Christian life. It's a topic that doesn't get talked about often on these sorts of podcasts because we're interested in politics and we're interested in theology and we're interested in and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but Kuiper included a chapter on Calvinism and art in his lectures on Calvinism, which was his uh, groundbreaking lecture series that he gave at Princeton. And so I thought I would bring you on here, have you talk a little bit about art and the Christian life. Uh, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I was noticing as I was reading back over Kuiper's statements about art is that he's kind of a, an artistic snob, it seems like. He's <laughs> talking about uh, the prevailing tendency of his day was toward an almost fanatical worship of art, and that was driving art down from the upper echelons of the, the people with the best taste down to the middle class and even uh, to the widest strata of lower society. Uh, and how people are becoming immune to critique, even by by artists, and they just want to lay a production of their own, however poor, upon the altar of art. So he he says it almost as if it's a bad thing that art is being democratized and brought down uh, to the common people. Seems a little odd. I'm not sure where he's coming from there. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you as an art teacher. You are teaching the common people to paint people. and to draw yes. and to do art. <laughs> Uh, almost as if everybody should learn, almost as if everybody should have a little bit of art education in their life. Uh, why? Why would you do that? Right. Well, because I do believe that everybody should have a little bit of art in their lives. Um, and there is, there is, there has been for generations this idea, this myth that because art is a skill and many people would put it on a on a pedestal of saying art is kind of unreachable by the common masses um sort of like Kuiper saying uh, is that therefore um it's dismissed it's it's sort of like well only the elite kids only the talented kids really should do art um I, I remember when I was in elementary school public school and the teachers, the teacher, it wasn't an art, we didn't have an art teacher. We had just a, the classroom teacher. And she'd hand out the 
you know, the paper, the the Manila paper, and uh, and we already had our crayons. We had the fresh crayons from <laughs> right? from purchasing them back in September, and, and I loved it. I was like, yay, it's time for art, you know, and and I don't remember being given any guidance as what to draw, to do, but that was okay. I just had fun, and I remember looking around at my peers, um, and many of them was like, oh, I hate this, you know, and, and whether they said it or not, they just kind of, oh, you know, it was obvious that they were bored, not interested, you know, or worse. And that attitude goes forward into adulthood. And so most adults, you talk about art, what's one of the first things they say? Oh, I can't draw a stick figure. And it's, uh, and it's almost like this, well, I'm a normal person. I can't draw a stick figure. Well, that's not, what if, what if we said, well, you know, all those, those books, you know, I can't read a paragraph. Um, we wouldn't accept that, right? Or we shouldn't. We yeah. wouldn't say that's okay. Or, you know, I can't add more than two digits. Um, wow, uh, that's not acceptable. And it used to be that, that a knowledge of the arts was kind of standard, a standard part of a good education. You know that from a, from a classical yeah. education. Um, the, the, the understanding of a culture included its arts. And in, whether you can replicate um, perfectly, you know, a David or something, that's not the point. That's not the point. Art is a skill. Art is something, and I, I don't want to get too carried away at this point. I want to answer your question. But I do believe art is a skill. Art is uh, something that, that opens us up to the, the beauty mm. that is around us. Yeah. And every every educated person should be exposed to that. And that means understanding the elements that go into art. And so, yes, I really do believe uh, that all children should be taught math and reading and, you know, and art and, and the basics of art. And I may be so bold as to say, after four decades of doing it, I can pretty much say, yes, that can be done. And no, that doesn't mean they're gonna go on and be a Michelangelo any more than somebody's going to go on and be a Shakespeare if they if they are writing papers, okay? Um, that's not the point. The point is the exposure to the skill, to the skills. So, yeah, I I I did I I kind of understand what Kuiper's saying, um, and I I think he's right to an extent uh, as far as the fact that art can be demeaned if art as a as a form can be demeaned if it's treated as, oh, well, anybody can do it. Um, we need to unpack that a little bit more, but we could do that if you want to. Yeah, we could, yeah. And I was even thinking you're talking about art as a skill in the in the Renaissance, art was a trade. Mm -hmm. It was a, a learned skill, like being a plumber, being a clockmaker, you would go exactly. apprentice to be an artist. It wasn't, um, I think even in Kuiper's day, and this might've been a little bit of his problem was you had what, I think Doug Wilson calls the Cape and Beret syndrome. <laughs> he was in the early 1900s. So that was yeah. when you first started getting the ideal of the starving artist who's good for nothing in society, but to paint things that won't be worth anything until after he's dead. And then right. we'll realize what a genius he was all along. And we never knew. And and uh, maybe maybe he's reacting a little bit to that kind of impetus. I don't right. know the cultural background there. Um, so... Um, I think Chesterton was the one, uh, in fact, I know Chesterton was the one who was talking about um, educating women in one of his essays, particularly uh, 
to be mothers because they're going to be educating their own children. And that's where you get that famous Chesterton quote, if a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly, which a lot of us have heard that. And he was specifically talking about art and literature. You know, we want our mothers to be broad generalists. They need to know a little bit of everything. They need to be able to dabble in art and they don't need to be an expert. Right. Pass that on to their kids, because if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. It's worth to get a little skill. What do you think of that idea in relation to art or maybe playing an instrument? You need to um, be exposed to it at least, even if you're not going to become an expert. Right, right. I, I would I would generally agree with it, but I'd also, um, and, and Chesterton, like he did so many times, is a great observer of life and, uh, and really, you know, we resonate with him because he says it so well. He says what we, we all kind of think or come to realize and and he just nails it but but i would say um don't stop there is what i would say is don't stop there yes anything worth doing is worth doing badly (laughs) but why not go a little bit further go anything worth doing is worth doing well as this phrase actually is and um and go beyond the badly and use you know use the experience and grow and learn in other words it can be done um and that's what i was saying before is is you know, I didn't have any formal education in art until I got to high school, you know, or ju- maybe junior high, to be fair. Um, in college, and this is so sad, at the University of Idaho, I will name it because it should be shamed, um, the art education there was pathetic. And they did not. They did not teach us skills. They didn't teach us techniques. Um, I mean, literally, they didn't say, here's here's a number 6B temp pencil, and it's good for doing this kind of effect. Um, instead, they say, get these things, and now we're going to use these things and just use them. Um, I Now I understand why they didn't do that. Because when you start talking about skills and techniques, particularly in art, no pun intended, or maybe I am, um, you're drawing a line. You're saying, <laughs> you're saying, you're saying, um by using these techniques and skills you will improve in your artistic ability Mm. which is true but what is that saying that's saying there's a range of good from from bad to good okay there's a range in other words there are standards okay and there are there are standards that we can recognize and say that's not good art and that is good art and one of the standards of good art is Oh, look, they use these skills that can be taught and they use them effectively. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so in other words, you know, the poor homeschooling mom that you're referring to, yes, you know, she, she should introduce her children to art, but thankfully, especially today, now with the growth of homeschooling and classical education and all that, um, there are things to guide her. There are texts to guide her so that she can, even as just a mom with no art training, she can use this book. One of the books I like, I'll just name it, is Mona Brooks' Drawing with Children. Mm. It was one of the early books I identified at Logos um, to help our teachers teach art to their elementary classes because I knew I couldn't get around to everybody. And so this was a really great book for children and teaching them how to imitate, how to imitate um drawing well and even if the person is who is the teacher doesn't have a real background in art just that aspect of imitation um was was excellent was a really good way to go so um 
so yes, Chesterton's right, but I'm saying let's <laughs> let's not stop with doing it badly. Let's there are ways yeah. to get it done well. Yeah, and and I think Chesterton is is reacting a little bit against the professionalizing of everything yes. in the 20th century. You know, he talks about. Uh, and I know this from experience, grandparents with instruments who would just play yeah, yep. everybody, poor people, everybody had an instrument they could play and yep. would make their own music. And then in the 20th century, we decided we're going to pay professionals to make all our music for us and we'll buy records and CDs, uh, MP3s. You know? Well, one of the, yeah, both in music and because, you know, music is part of the arts, of course. And so we're not just talking about visual art. We can be, you know, include, of course, dance, drama, music, mm -hmm. um, one of the very saddest aspects of this idea that Kuiper's kind of referring to, but also this, this idea of um, the elite, you know, the art world telling us what is art. One of the saddest aspects is that they have now divorced themselves from the common people, if you will, and in fact, kind of despised them and said, you're the unwashed, you're the unclean, you don't understand the higher calling of the art world and let us, you know, the called, let us tell you what is art. And by and large, the population has said, okay, fine, hmm. right? Um, you know, if something comes up on, on the auction block in New York at Christie's or something, and it, and it looks like a big orange square and it sells for $25 million, instead of a shock it's sort of like well yeah, okay you know we were told that's that's great art and some moron who bought it for 25 million dollars was convinced that that's worth that mm -hmm. right yeah um one of the one of my favorite examples that i do every year with the kids is a relatively recent example of this of the banana on the wall maybe you've heard of this <laughs> yeah okay yeah down in florida uh, i don't know if your listeners have but this was just within the last couple of years an artist, I'm using scare quotes, uh, literally taped a banana to a wall in a gallery with, I believe, duct tape. And it went for, it was auctioned off and it went for $126,000. Hmm. Okay. And the, the story doesn't stop there. Um, it, it, so this guy bought it for 126 grand. Well, obviously a very envious, another envious artist of some sort literally went ripped the banana off the wall and ate it <laughs> okay i mean you can't make this stuff up and and he ate it and the reaction you know was shocking of course and and people thought that the the banana artist would be quite upset but he wasn't probably because he got his 126k yeah. but also because as he said well bananas only last about a week i was going to replace it anyway yeah Okay, this is the world that we're told is art, mm -hmm. right? You know, that's, um, it kind of reminds me of the, the Banksy story where the Banksy picture was being auctioned and, uh, you know, right after the gavel comes down and the people have bought it, it shreds, they shred the, shred the painting, you know, or the drawing. And it's that sort of idea of impermanence, I guess, in art. Right. I don't know, that it doesn't even have to be there to be art. Right, and this is where we are. We have, because we have divorced ourselves from, um, well, we've been led that way, but um, but the art world as it now exists has divorced itself from reality to the point where now non-reality is their reality. And, and like this with the cards, 
um, such that, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Doug, Doug Wilson, my, my pastor often says it's either Christ or chaos. And, and we're, I can't imagine, I can't think of a time in my life when this is more obvious. Um, and because I love art, I see it there very clearly is, is because Christ is no longer the focal point, chaos has taken over and, and we're kind we're kind of okay with that. We're kind of, we've kind of made our peace. I say we, I mean, by that Christians and, and the church, but by, by and large to the point where, yes, we, we, I'd say what, 150 years ago, the American church kind of said, okay, we're just going to stay in our church building and we're not going to pay attention to politics or the arts or education. We're just going to do our worship thing. We're going to do our denominational thing. And this is the result. Mm. This is the result. So anyway. So um, draw from the world and exactly giving up art to the, well, and, and they did it with academics as well. I mean, that's exactly. kind of what the Christian classical movement is trying to recover is, all the things we lost when we gave up culture. Right. And, and so touching, touching on that, we, um, we've, we've talked about truth, goodness, and beauty as being, yeah. you know, one of the other main triviums, if you will, um, that we want to address in our classical education is truth, goodness, and beauty. And I know you've heard this before, Rick, but, it, you know, Christians tend to agree on truth and goodness. Okay. By and large, there's not a lot of debate there. If, if you're a believer stating that Christ is God, fully God, fully man as, as a truth, there aren't too many arguments about that <laughs> or else you're outside of the yeah. pole. Okay. And the same with goodness. There aren't too many people that as Christians take exception to the 10 commandments. You know, is that how you're supposed to believe or live? Well, yeah, God said so. And, and, you know, lying to your neighbor is not a good thing. But then you get to beauty and it's like all bets are off and every all, everybody i see this actually with my by and large christian students um beauty you get into beauty and it's and suddenly they these kids that were absolutists of two minutes ago are now relativists um and it becomes a well who's to say you know um kind of every man for himself or you know you yeah. know what do we have to do with you, David? You know, let's go to our own tents. Um, but it becomes, yeah, it, yeah. Who's to say, you know, what's what's really beautiful? What is um, what is appropriate? And that, it, by and large, it's not just the kids. That's what they they are taught. Yeah. Right. Is you don't want to be judgmental, right? You don't want to be judgmental. And so as I go through, I, I it takes me <laughs> nine months. <laughs> excuse me, to walk these guys through a number of excerpts from books by Schaefer, um, by um, uh, a number of other artists, Ruckmacher, um, not artists, writers, um, on what, what does the Bible actually say about art? Does, yeah. it, address, does it address art? Um, well, yeah, it does, actually. Yeah, does it address beauty? Yeah, it does, actually. And does God have standards or does he say who's to say? <laughs> um, no, he actually has some things to say about it. Yeah. And I think Lewis talks about that in the abolition Lewis, of man quite yeah. a bit uh, where a lot of in the world today, the idea is when I make a comment about an aesthetic thing, art or music or a movie, I'm really talking about myself and my feelings about it. Yes. I'm not talking about it. Um, 
the idea that a student could say, you know, I, I prefer, I don't know what students listen to now. I've reached the age that I don't even keep up anymore. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but, um, you know, let's say I, I, you know, someone says, Oh man, I know I'm outdated already here, but someone says, you know, I Bach is boring. I like Kesha or whatever, you know, something like that. And, and the idea that you could say, okay, you're wrong about that. <laughs> Objectively you're, you're right. wrong. Right. Uh, just the idea of saying that offends our culture. Oh, like you can say, well, yes. don't murder people. You're wrong if you do that. Or don't say two plus two plus five. That's wrong. But if you say, no, this music is objectively better than this music. Suddenly people get angry or frustrated or you right. can't say that. Why? What, what well, happened in the realm of aesthetics that cut right. it off from truth and goodness? I think what happens, and I, I've thought about this a little bit. I think what happens, Rick, is... is Truth requires our trust, okay? We, we believe Christ is fully God, fully man. We, we trust in God's truth. What, that requires our trust. What does goodness require? Our obedience, okay? We are our, our, our obedience. Either you're going to lie to your neighbor or you're not. And one of those is going to honor God and the other isn't. Um, so goodness requires obedience. What does beauty require? Well, beauty requires our affections. Mm. Okay, beauty requires our affections. Yeah. What do we love? What do we love? And that gets, <laughs> that's not cerebral. That's the heart. And uh, I know there's not a, you know, a real strong distinction, even though people like to make that. Um, but we are one thing, but still it affects our hearts. When you listen to music, a piece of music that moves you to tears, you're not thinking logically. You're not reasonably saying, hmm, I think this piece is affecting my emotions. No, it just goes right there. And, and so when you, yeah, when you tell a student that the band that they love is a wrongful affection, yeah. okay, that hurts or can hurt, right? In, in a way that's saying, oh, you got the math answer wrong, okay? Or, you know, you, you really shouldn't have said that mean thing in the chat box that right um yeah. okay yeah that can bother them but they know deep down yeah that probably wasn't very nice and so sorry about that okay so that was they disobeyed or they got the answer wrong that they said something that wasn't true um but when you say your affections are misplaced there's a sincerity that's there like wow how many times is you know how many sincere people make bad art well lots of them yeah lots of them and i'm not saying they're they're bad they're not wrong it's mm -hmm. not violating any commandment but it's it's not good art and why isn't good art well i could probably unpack that with them and say well for one thing your perspective is terrible okay i mean in the sense mm -hmm. of how you accomplish that yeah. um you use colors that are just really not working together um or whatever or your subject is inappropriate Okay, but but to have misplaced affections really gets where people live. Um, at Logos, we had this massive civil war when we went from not having uniforms to having <laughs> uniforms. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. After 17 years, we made the decision to bring in uniforms. Woof. And I had a lot of time to think about why is that, why does that bother people so much? Yeah. What, how, why, what, you know, it's just a uniform. It's just, 
school clothing. Well, it's beauty. It's beauty. You're yeah. telling the parents, um, not that you don't know how to raise your children, you know, you're, you're sending them down the wrong path, but you're not teaching your children to love the right things. And we're going to help you make your child beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and wow, it just caused a major reaction. Okay. Yeah. As it does everywhere. I mean, that was hardly unique. I know it happens, you know, everywhere, unless yeah. schools start with it, but that's another story. But anyway, so that's why to answer your question, I think, I think that's why is, is you're, you're telling people what you love is, is not worthy of your love. So you know, Tom, one thing I, I did want to ask you about with regards to this, uh, because it does seem like ordinary people, the common masses have sort of been cowed by the art institutes, the, the um, experts who say, we're going to tell you what art is. Right. And aesthetics are just subjective. Beauty is only subjective. Yet we kind of know deep down it's not because we look at a lot of works of modern art and say, well, I don't, that's not beautiful. Unless I've been to art school, I don't know that it's beautiful. At least someone has, <laughs> someone with a PhD has to convince me this is beautiful before I know it. Uh, I wanted to ask you, do you think the internet, social media in general has been good for art and artists? Because one thing I've seen is a lot of self-taught people who are putting out some really quality work who haven't come from the art institutions. Right. What do you think? Right. Uh, yes and no, of course, that's social media, right? Um, it, it's a two-edged sword. But let's focus on the positive side. I agree. I think... We're post-millennialists here, right? What's that? We're post-millennialists here. We're yeah, looking for the positive. Yeah, we're, we are, so we can be positive. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think um, much like, you know, I taught history for many years, and so I, I tend to immediately go there in terms of examples. But much like that the, the computer and even more the internet really helped bring down the fall of the Soviet Union um, by exposing people to what was really going on outside of their pathetic empire um i think i think social media has this can have the same effect uh, you know barack obama used it to some of his advantage you know in his first election for instance and he he used that as a as a platform to get his message out and and it arguably worked um so that's not the positive side that's a negative side but anyway the positive side is yes uh we're seeing we're seeing um, a lot more art, real art, um, through that than we would ever see at the Guggenheim, for instance. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or any other platform. You know, wh where else are the common people, if you will, going to see images? And it, of course, it's going to be social media. Mm -hmm. And and so I agree. One of the things I pointed out to the kids, and now I have to adapt it a little bit, is where are the great artists today? You know, I, did everybody, you know, did they all die off? Um, you know, is there no more talent anywhere out there just because it's not encouraged um, or taught? So there aren't any talented people. Well, yeah, there are tons of talented people. Do we have any Michelangelo's today? Do we have any Da Vinci's today? Well, maybe not those guys, because they they were rather unique products of their time, but but are there talented people? Yes, there are many many talented people, 
and where do they show up? Well, in my generation, I think they showed up. I'm a little bit older than you, but I still think maybe in both of our generations, they showed up in children's literature. Mm. Okay. I yeah. seriously, I would say if you look at children's literature from the early to mid 20th century, wow. Okay. A good example is N.C. Wyeth. Okay. You might be familiar with him. Oh, yeah. Um, N.C. Wyeth was best known for his illustrations in some of the great classic children's books, you know, Robin Hood, Treasure Island, you know, Kidnapped. Um, and his every one of his was a work of art. It wasn't just an illustration. It was yeah. a work of art. So he wasn't the only one. And then, of course, you get into Norman Rockwell. And, he, you know, he didn't illustrate children's books, per se, but he illustrated mm -hmm. popular magazines, you know, Saturday Evening Post. Okay, well, that was the social media of the day. Yeah, I mean, it was. That's where that's where people saw images, and so that's one of the reasons he became America's artist. I mean, it was not to mention the fact that he was really good. Oh, but yeah. but I have to say, Rick, in my art school, I sorry, I keep using scare quotes because it's just so hard to say it straight. Um, in my art school at U of I, he was a bad word. I mean, it was the kind of thing somebody mm -hmm. scrawl on a bathroom wall, you know, Norman Rockwell, um, because he was despised. Even the Wyeths were despised by the elites. Hmm. I, know, I know it begs the question. Why would, because... So not, not just N.C. Wyeth, but, but Andrew Wyeth. Andrew and Wyeth, who's the, who's yep. the third one, the, the grandson? Uh, Jamie, I think his name Jamie, is. Jamie, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were not just ignored. Like we didn't, weren't taught about them, which we weren't in our art history courses. They they didn't come up. In by and large, they didn't come up. Yeah. Uh, I think Hopper was lucky to get in there because <laughs> um, Edward Hopper, um, Winslow Homer, not so much. Hmm. But but Rockwell had a special amount of derision placed on him. Why? Well, because he was popular. He, mm. uh, he appealed to the masses. The masses appreciated him. And therefore, the elites despised him. I'm not making that up. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. That's absolutely the truth. Well, jumping to your question or tying it to your question, the art elite today would also despise using social media to get somebody's art out there. Yeah. And, 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 and I have seen, you know, I haven't really looked because I don't know where I'd look. But when I've come across somebody's artwork, it's like, oh, my word, this is amazing. You know, this is beautiful stuff. And sometimes they're using a medium I wouldn't necessarily use, yeah. um, you know, whatever. I'm not a sculptor, you know, that kind of thing. But there are people that are producing amazing works of art. Uh, I, the first thing that comes to mind is there's a watercolor artist in Japan who who I can't remember the name and I probably get it wrong anyway, but does amazing portraits in watercolor. Mm -hmm beautiful portraits in watercolor never would have heard of them apart from the internet so looking at the world of art right now and where christians are in it sort of a final wrap-up question here over the last 25 30 years christian classical education has been trying to rebuild the ruins right. of what we lost how are we doing as far as asserting the lordship of christ in the world of art and what are the opportunities in the future? How can we do better as a culture, as a Christian reformed evangelical culture? I, I, I would I would give us a, about a C. Okay, I, I think we're not failing. Um, 
and I, I, what I'm basing this on, Rick, is I've been to a lot of classical Christian schools and um, obviously had my experience at Logos, but I've also had the pleasure of uh, and the privilege of going to a lot of ACCS schools for accreditation or whatever, but also just to visit. And I would give us a, a C and we're, we're, we have the right idea, okay, that art is not to be dismissed as it is, frankly, in the government schools. You know, they... Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do with art. They they gave it up a long time ago, and now it's just kind of some you know they pander to a certain group of kids or families and say, yeah, we'll do something. Yeah, but by and large, they don't care. But in in classical education, we understand enough of our past that we cannot and should not ignore the arts. That's a very very critical part. We know it's a critical part of educating young people. Um, I, the reason I give us a C and not an A is because we have a long ways to go, okay? Um, I have been to a number of schools where they they knew they should do something, they just didn't know what to do. Like we were talking about with the homeschool model a little bit ago. Yeah. You know, they know they, so they're doing it badly, okay? <laughs> All right, well, God bless them. They're gonna have to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. And they're probably gonna have to get somebody who leads the charge. Just like every program, you know this, every program at a yeah. church, every program at a school, somebody's got to take it by the horns and say, all right, we're going to do this. And that's what needs to happen at every classical Christian school is somebody, even if it's not a gifted art teacher, but somebody that says the arts are critical to what we do, we need to get somebody to lead our program. And some schools have done that. Some schools haven't, well, let's be honest, shelled out to do that. Um and so they're staggering along and they're going to continue to stagger until they kind of figure it out. But I think there are resources now, like I mentioned before, the Mona Brooks book, there are many others. There are resources to guide somebody to say, here's, here's a path forward. Here's how to train children up in, up in these arts. They're going to have a battle though, Rick. They're going to have a yeah. battle because, you know, if you say we're going to, we're going to bring back phonics, Nobody really is going to give you a hard time about that. And, it, you know, and in a few weeks, you can show it success and go, look at there. Nobody's going to give us a real hard time about saying, let's use omnibus or let's bring back, um, you know, a creational view of science or whatever. There's not going to be a lot of pushback on that. Yeah. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, there is and will be pushback on what is beauty. And in an art program, even in a classical Christian school, if you start saying things like that's ugly and your affections mm. are misplaced to like it, you're going to get some pushback. Yeah. And I think it has to have that aspect of at home, the family has to love beautiful things and right. promote beauty as a, as an ideal, as something you want to aim for. So, right. Yeah. Knowing, knowing where we, where we have strength here in answer to your question too, is that this truth, goodness, and beauty trivium is considered by most classical schools, the other trivium. And they want beauty. And so you see it in their architecture, you see it in their school uniforms, you see it in their, um, in the kinds of programs that they use at the school. So I have hope, I have high hope that that's going to also be reflected in their, in the art program that they're going to use. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you for talking to me today. This has been a fun conversation. I've enjoyed catching up during the summertime with you. So (laughs) glad to do it. Good to see you. All right.